Today on The Tapping Zone, Vivek interviewing James O'Keefe goes viral, UAW hometown commercial only without the censorship MI charming personality, Trump rally at Michigan plant roasting EV movement destroying jobs, Biden visits a UAW picket line with the UAW president Sean Fain, Colin Kaepernick begs the Jets to hire him after he recently called the NFL and compared it to a slave trade, SpaceX wins the first Space Force contract, Netflix DVD service, rest in peace as of today, Wawa to open 60 stores in Ohio, and Kia Hyundai have a recall due to a little bit of a fire risk. All that much is more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their founder released twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, you see, that, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, we're still giving away a free flamethrower with every September purchase. Yes, you can mount it to an AR-15 as all awesome accessories can be. Go to toppingtechnologies.com to learn a little bit more about the details. And lastly, trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September. So especially take the time to click that button and share it with all your friends, your enemies, your family, heck, coworkers, even acquaintances on the street. Let them know and we would appreciate your subscription. Going on to the business part of the podcast, you have SpaceX winning the first U.S. Space Force contract. Uh, first for everything. And now our military is truly becoming mighty as the Space Force expands. Now, the Pentagon specifically awarded Elon Musk SpaceX its first confirmed contract for the Starshield network is developing, which is going to be a military-specific version of the company's Starlink satellite internet system. Now, it looks like a Space Force spokesperson confirmed that SpaceX on September 1st, was awarded a one-year contract for Starshield with a maximum value of $70 million. So, that sounds about right. And they noted that the Pentagon is already a high-value buyer for the company's space launches and has shown an increasing interest in its Starlink satellite internet. Which makes sense. You look at the whole conflict with the Rick Crane, it's one of the most pivotal technologies in the conflict. It's the ability to communicate with each other and all of your machines as more and more military devices are connected to the internet for better or worse. We'll see if the Terminator movie becomes reality soon. So fascinating to see Elon continue to propel into space the company, pun moderately intended, as they win. I'm sure it's gonna be the first of many contracts from the government since, of course, the government has a high interest in having their own private internet network, especially when they're in, we used to call it the sandbox, but now who knows where we'll, the US government will go tomorrow when it comes to international conflicts. Needless to say, the demand is surely there. Other interesting business news, and a little bit sad, you have Netflix, their DVD service, rest in peace, as of today. Again, I should've got a prop, like the old school DVDs. Now, they've been selling DVDs and sending them out, more realistically, they're renting them for about 25 years, which is a very, it's a big deal to the company to stop that, not in terms of revenue, but in terms of symbolism. Netflix was an early adopter of technologies, that's how they became a behemoth and a giant 500 pound gorilla, in the media entertainment space. One of my favorite books is by Reed Hastings, who's one of the co-founders of Netflix, where they talk about how when they first got together, there really wasn't much demand. DVD technology was just hitting the market. And at the time, a DVD player cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Now you can get one for like, what, 20 bucks at Walmart? But at the time, they were extremely expensive. And for years, they struggled. They came up with the brilliant idea that they could mail it to someone, but then, you know, how do you grow that idea when no one's buying this? 
So it took them years. They did a lot of prospecting. They got, some say lucky, some say faithful. They worked very hard and they got connected at Sony Electronics Conference where they got a contract with, I believe it was Philips, one of the largest manufacturers of DVDs. Or rather, more realistically, well, Philips made the DVD or CD-ROM specifically, but DVD players. So if you bought a new DVD player, you got one of these cards that says, hey, here's a free trial of Netflix. That's what really propelled the company. And because they were one of the first companies to buy these DVDs, they're synonymous with the technology. They took a huge risk. If DVDs failed, there would be no Netflix today. And they took that same big risk when it came to streaming. A lot of people thought, eh, this technology's never gonna go anywhere. It's gonna be precarious. A lot of people live in rural areas. They may not have the best internet. And the competition actually did try to copy them. Blockbuster paid to have a network and technology built out so they could stream to their customers as well. However, Blockbuster got a contract to do that with the infamous Enron. So of course it was a scam. It didn't actually work. Yet another reason Blockbuster bit the dust, so to say. Now, it looks like in terms of the Netflix shutdown of the DVD service, a warehouse near Disneyland, I mean, they used to handle 1.2 million DVDs a week. And of course, they generated millions by millions of dollars of revenue for the company. This is according to my article in the New York Times. Now, it's one of those issues as well as I'm trying to find a better tele... Oh, I'm using a rudimentary monitor instead of a teleprompter. Perhaps one of the things I'm going to invest once we get this off the ground in terms of monetization. Let me know what else technologies do you think I could use to improve the show. In addition to finding a picture-on-picture -picture software for production, still trying to find one that works with the camera that I'm currently utilizing. Now, they also estimated that 1 million customers signed up for the DVD service last year even though this is gonna be, you know, they're no longer gonna be able to use it. So interestingly enough, the demand was still there. I suspect though, demand was not enough to keep it profitable because that part of the company, inherently you're having different resource allocations or different costs for that. And I think they just knew it was time to move on, so to say. So now going forward, thankfully it looks like in terms of a freebie, the customers will get to keep the DVDs. Going forward, it's gonna be streaming only. What will be next? What new technology will Netflix adopt that no one else is? Perhaps it'll be Netflix 2.0, it'll just inject into your brain via Elon Musk's new technology, the Neuralink. It'll be interesting to see. Let me know in the comments. Do you think they will, again, again, they're the first company to really take the risk and go with DVDs, then with streaming? Will they still be the first company when it comes to the next new technology we might not even be thinking about today? As a wise man once said, the greater the risk, the greater the reward. Tosh will tell. Other interesting business news, you have Wawa to open 60 stores in Ohio. Now, it looks like the Pennsylvania-based gas station convenience store chain is known for their main-to-order eats. And they're gonna invest, good God, $420 million into these stores, which averages out to about $7 million per location. And they plan to employ about 40 local contractors and trade workers for each project. And they'll, each store will eventually full-time employ 35 staff members and creating over 2,000 jobs statewide. So that's definitely a huge initiative. We have the CEO, Chris Gagan, saying Wawa will fill void in Ohio for 24-7 customizable made-to-order food, which is a very novel, interesting idea because other 24 locations, typically if you go to one of those convenience stores, it's they sometimes, if you're lucky, they'll have some healthier options as thankfully those stores have adapted to new consumer preferences. and. The downside being most of them are pre-made. You really can't customize it too much. And there's certainly a market for customizable food. That's usually when you get the most increased uh, profit margin. Think of Starbucks, that's the most customizable drink on the planet. I'm pretty sure there's over a trillion combinations if you were to walk into a Starbucks and ask of the myriad of different options you can go through. 
And that might be a conservative estimate too, given all the new ingredients and crap that they throw into those coffee, well, debatably coffee. Some say it's just a candy bar in a cup, but there's there's a rumor, and I'll, let me fact check this right now. Is it really coffee? Does Starbucks tall, what did I, tall, tall mocha latte. Fact check confirmed there is technically coffee in some of Starbucks beverages. It's not just sugar. I. You, you've heard you heard it first here today, folks. But nevertheless, it'll be interesting to see this garment baking for the actual stores for a while will begin in 2024. And we've seen a fierce competition from most of these convenience stores. You have everything from Bucky's to QT to Racetrack. They're all ramping up the number of locations. The U.S. is also pivoting more towards EVs, partially because the government is bullying the manufacturers of automobiles to make these consumer preferences be damned. But it'll be interesting to see what type of allocation they have in terms of gas pumps versus charging stations. There are certain benefits from business to have a charging station since presumably they'll be stuck there and stranded there for minutes or hours as they wait for their vehicle to recharge inefficiently. So they're gonna be stuck in your store and presumably they'll be there and they'll be buying more stuff because they're stuck there longer. So from that perspective, it may even be more profitable than the traditional gas pump, maybe. They usually only make a couple cents per gallon. However, that does add up in the aggregate. But per consumer, that'll be an interesting study to see if you're stuck in a location for a longer area of time, do you go out and do you buy more crap? I mean, necessary things inside stores. Let me know in the comments. Do you think that'd be a more profitable business model for them? It'd be interesting to see, but as I always say, time shall tell. Now going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Colin Kaepernick begging the Jets to let him lead the practice squad after leaving the NFL for years and calling, comparing the NFL to the slave trade even though people in the NFL are some of the highest paid professions in the United States, bar none. And apparently he used to be a sports ball player. I did fact check, I did a little research, I did some fact checking. He did play sports balls at one time. Many people just know him as being a mediocre activist, choosing things that are, opinions that are completely diverse from reality, many, many would say. Now, apparently he was a third rate quarterback who went seven to 10 games without even scoring a touchdown, which, Again, you think just mathematically, what are the odds you can't score a single touchdown in all of those games? I, it's almost mathematically impossible, I think, to be that utterly inept and just lack, just have such little talent. It's fascinating. Now, recently he did a Netflix special. And in the Netflix special, he actually compared the, the NFL to being a slave, which couldn't be further from reality, which... Again, perhaps this is also a good metaphor for his ideologies or him to begin with. But it looks like looking at the actual documentary here, and a couple of his comments. He has in the in this documentary, which uh, again I was going to say I, I, I almost would feel more accurate calling it a mockumentary because again it's completely disconnected from reality. Sports balls players make lots of money, not just from the NFL giving them cash. Well, realistically. They probably do a little simple wire transfer or an ACH. But nevertheless, in addition to getting copious amounts of that, they also get healthcare benefits and they also get endorsement deals, which is how some of these players are billionaires. Michael Jordan actually made more money from endorsement deals than actually playing basketball, or as a youth might call, basketball, which is a little disappointing because the basket is kind of inefficient. If you try to use it as a traditional basket, the ball just goes out. So. I don't know how appropriate it is to actually call it that when it's basically a broken basketball because 
but nevertheless, billions and billions of dollars are made from sports balls. Now, in the documentary, he actually, and this, is, this is from NBC News, and he actually say, quote, as he condemns the NFL draft, we see a depiction of a slave auction juxtaposed with images of white coaches examining black bodies. Which, this person does get an A-plus for grammar in terms of fancy words. Juxtaposed is a cool word the youth should use more. Some words just don't get enough love. But nevertheless, when it comes to what he says, Callum Pekernick actually says in the documentary, quote, What they don't want you to understand is what's being established is a power dynamic. Before they put you on the field, they, the teams poke, prod, and examine you, searching for any defect that might affect your performance. No boundary respected. No dignity left intact. Unquote. Well, that is called a physical, which, if you have health insurance, most men and women usually get once per year. And your job is physical. So it makes sense that you kind of have to be in shape. They want to make sure you don't have any long-standing health issues. Again, these people, these players are making millions of dollars to catch a pigskin. Well, I was going to say, that would actually be better for the environment, ironically enough. I don't know if it's animal activists or environmentalists. They actually don't even make them out of pigskins anymore. They're made out of synthetics. Ridiculous, to say the least. Does So the insanity is quite ridiculous. The power dynamic. Getting paid millions of dollars per year. So, let's see here. So again, this is a couple years back. I mean, this documentary saying the NFL is evil. It's racist. This is terrible. And now he comes crawling back, pretending to want a job. Now, if you look up the average, the median wage for an NFL player, it's $860,000. By no means is that slavery. $860,000. Now, the minimum salary in the NFL, again, the minimum, is $750,000. Now, granted, the government does steal half of it, but again, vote differently if you want differently. Now, again, that's so it's, the minimum is $750,000 for a rookie, and it goes up from there. Now, thankfully, it looks like his letter begging to be let back on the team, which, just from a business perspective, most no team should touch him with a 10-foot pole because he's extremely polarizing this is someone who makes money off being an activist makes money off of causing conflict that's i can't think of a team that would want that but again you're going to fract you're going to actually fraction and fractalize your whole customer base the fans aren't going to like it or less on average half of them won't like it so they're going to alienate a good portion of their fan base by hiring this person so while the other people might like it or tolerate it, more people, again, politics and sports balls usually don't mix. People just want to have a Yang Lang beer nowadays and watch the game. They don't want to be preached to, or in this case, lied to. Now, it looks like, and again, it's debatable if this actually, I don't know if he wrote it, but nevertheless, this is a letter from the former, former mediocre ball player so this is going to the New York Jets, apparently. All right, so this is, again, I was about to say, your ears might hurt, but this is nevertheless what Colin Kaepernick wrote. Quote, Joe, I hope this letter finds you in great spirits, despite the less than ideal start to a big season. I'm wishing you, your staff, and your players a great game this weekend as you look to bounce back. I'm writing, of course, in response to the unfortunate loss of Aaron Rodgers. I know the aspirations this season were and still are, to win a championship and so that hall of fame seized hole will be filled as best as possible 
to keep the team on Super Bowl track. As of now, Zach Wilson is charged with that task, and I wish him and the rest of the team the best moving forward. However, I know that there are currently depth issues in the position, as I've heard that the backup spot is likely to be filled by a veteran quarterback. As much as I would love the opportunity to fill that spot, I'm writing you in hopes that you can imagine such a, a much different opportunity to come in and lead the practice squad. I would, I would do this with the sole mission of getting your defense ready each week. If I were able to fill this role for your team, I believe this allows for multiple things. One, gives your defense the advantage of getting a truer read on more mobile, athletic, versatile quarterbacks it will face when in weeks four, five, and six, Mahomes, Wilson, and Hurts. I've considered it a privilege to be able to do this and would take on this opportunity with the dedication and passion as if it were the QB1 position. Two, this would allow you guys as an organization to take a real look at where I'm at football-wise in game-like situations against an elite defense while also not putting any competitive pressure on Zach. I understand the importance of keeping him confident and focusing as QB1, and I would only look to boost this confidence in any interactions that we may have if I was given this role with the team. In a perfect world for the Jets, Zach Wilson finds his stride and shows that he is able to lead the championship caliber team that you put together to the Super Bowl. I believe a confident Zach Wilson has the tools to do this. However, in the event that this is not the case, I would love to offer you a risk-free contingency plan. I am sure of my ability to provide you and the elite QB if, option if, God forbid, QB1 goes down. However, I know that there are many neutral, there may naturally be uncertainties from you and possibly others about my playing abilities. This plan, I believe, allows me to do, to be of great service to the team as a practice round QB while also giving you a low commitment chances to assess my capabilities to help in any other capacity you may see fit. Worst case scenario, you see what I have to offer and you're not that impressed. Best case scenario, you realize you have a great, you have a new weapon at your disposal in the event you ever need to use it in either one of these scenarios. I would be committed to getting your defense ready and back in week in, week out, all season long, and I would wear that responsibility like a badge of honor. As a final point, I would like to add this. Unlike many of the veteran QBs that have been named in the media, I have never retired or stopped training. My training schedule has remained the same for six years, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., training on the, on the field and in the weight room. I've kept this training schedule without failure for the past six years in hopes that the opportunity would present itself. I say this to give you some perspective on where I am at physically. I've also attached a list of my references within the league that will vouch for my character, work ethic, and availability. Thank you so much for your time. Signed, Colin Kaepernick. So it almost sounds like a weasel, or what, what do you call someone who, uh, is, is that the German term Schoenfraud, where you kind of hope for someone else to mess up so you can seize the opportunity? But again, this is Colin Kaepernick. He will never be happy unless he's the center of attention. If the Jets were to be, if they were completely moronic and they actually hired him to be the backup quarterback or the trainee quarterback, you're guaranteed controversy. You're guaranteed to stir things up and potentially lose season ticket holders, decrease sales. What's the upside? And 
I just don't see it. Because again, he's just, he has a long track record. Again, six years, he's just been an activist. If he really cared about football, he would be working there already. He'd be on a practice squad. But no one wants him because his main role in life, where he makes so much of his money, is activism. And, and on top of that, he's a mediocre and rudimentary, to say the least, in terms of his skill set, or more accurately, his lack of a skill set. Now, that contract was posted on the Twitter. And interestingly enough, it looks like it got 14.3 million views, 20,000 likes. And let's see... Let's see where the top comments are, shall we? So the first, one of the first comments is from Daben, unique name. And he says, quote, referring to the white man as Joe is horrible, just horrible. No chance he read the rest after seeing that. I even referred to Zach as Mr. Wilson my first time meeting him, as I do with everyone when making an impression. It's called respect. Although I'd expect nothing less from somebody who profited off a documentary labeling the organization he made generational wealth off of as modern day slavery, quote unquote, idiot. So that was Mr. D. Ben. He got 24 likes, well, about 22,000 views. It looks like uh, about 50-50 split on who's supporting his response to the main tweet. And of course, YouTube censored a couple of the responses. Let's see. What are the other top responses? Ah, these most favorite, this looks like to be the most successful response from Primetime Picks. This person's response was, quote, the NFL is like slavery, begs to join the NFL team, make it make sense, unquote. That person got 2,030 likes of 117,000 views. And then someone replying, someone named King Midas Betts said, responded to that saying, you can have a legitimate argument about the player's rights without comparing it to slavery. He got 136 likes out of 80,000 views. Which is true, but that's not what Colin Kaepernick did. He directly compared it to the most morally vacuous, disgusting thing in history. What else are other people saying? Let's see. Some by the name of Khan said, I don't quote, I don't even hate Cap, but it's so shameful, unquote. You got 616 likes out of 162,000 views. And apparently he's a sports ball player, I believe. You have a couple memes. A lot of people saying they don't want them. Uh, oh, no, I guess... You have one person by the name of Earl saying Carl, Colin Kaepernick is probably better than Zach Wilson right now. That person got 36 likes. Let's see. Right. Yeah, let's see here. Jay releasing it. <laughs> Someone did a meme of the Boondock Saints where it says, quote, this is from Board Jesse saying, quote, the Jets front office when they see Colin Kaepernick's letter, unquote, and it's just a boss pushing away an intern with a clipboard. Because of course, what we roast and criticize the whole community and whole organization, no one intelligent is going to hire you. Unless you have a team who's full-blown want to become an activist organization, which perhaps one might, given the political climate, no one's going to hire him. Because again, they're hiring him as a novelty, 
They're hiring him to be an activist. To, and I don't see how it's going to increase sales these days when, again, people are tuning into sports balls just to forget about politics, just to unplug and just relax for a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see. But as of right now, in terms of Colin Kaepernick, I don't think anyone's going to hire him, to be frank. Let me know in the comments. Do you think any NFL team is going to make a legitimate offer to him? He has not been on the field as a player in six years, and most of his time is just spent activism, not sports balls. So it'll be interesting to see time, of course, as I always say, shall tell. And it'll be interesting to see when my focus works. That's the real question is, what does it take to have the focus come be perfect? It'll be interesting to see. Let me know if you have any software recommendations as well, because I would appreciate the feedback. Let's see. Yeah, it looks like it's in focus, maybe. I have one little monitor up there trying to do its work. Need to upgrade someday. Nevertheless, going on to the political part of the podcast, you have Vivek interviewing James O'Keefe and, as the youth might call him, I know he's really called O'Keefe, but it's not as cool the other way. Nevertheless, has a little whole interview on him, and you have a little clip of it going viral. And if you have any technology or suggestions for in-production software, we'd greatly appreciate it. I've tried a couple, still having issues working out the kinks. So suggestions are appreciated in the comments. Now, looks like he does have a little text before the tweet video. And Vivek says, quote, the best measure of the health of our republic is a percent of citizens who, fr who feel free to say what they actually think in public. Fear has become infectious. Be courage, but courage rather can be contagious too. And he actually tags James O'Keefe. So without further ado, go ahead and get that playing going. I think miracles can happen, tides can turn, and I think that what I've seen in the work that we've done, I'm, I'm a bias towards the work that I'm doing. Most recently in New Jersey this past week, we did a few stories on school boards. Every mother in every municipality is contacting me and wants me to go to her school and give a hidden camera. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I think that's a hopeful thing. It is. And I think more people than would admit agree with someone like you and what you're saying, but they're afraid to say it. Yes. So the majority of, so it's like the Soviet Union. Like, are we gonna just cow down in our homes and be afraid to say the truth and lie to our children so that we can survive at any price? Or are we gonna be brave? Mm -hmm. And being brave means sacrifice. It means the founders said lives, fortune, sacred honor to each other. Um, more people agree with us than don't. Mm -hmm. They're just afraid to admit it. And that still keeps me as an optimist and keeps me as a hopeful person. And I think the tide can turn if people know what's going on, if they know what's happening at the IRS and the FBI. If people could see what's happening inside schools, mm -hmm. inside government bureaus, and, and how they talk about you, the taxpayer, if they could see that for themselves, yeah. it would change people's whole perceptions and it would save the country. I think, I, I think so too. And I think the reason it would save the country is that 80% of people or more in this country would have the same reaction which is not what we're taught to believe, right? You know, we're taught to believe we live in a divided partisan time and, you know, somebody, you know, 50% of the country is going to agree with one thing and 50% another. I, I don't see it that way. Not in the kinds of questions that you're putting your finger on the pulse of, which is just straight up corruption, lying, dishonesty. I mean, I don't know 
whether you're Democrat or Republican or left wing or right wing or what you thought in the Iraq war or the or high taxes or low taxes, but you want to know the truth about what Pfizer is or isn't saying about the vaccine. You want to know the truth about what your media is or is not telling you about an organization that's getting boatloads of federal funding in the name of promoting civil rights in the form of the acorn example. And so I think that when it comes to the basic values, right, free speech, honesty in government, self-governance as opposed to elite aristocracy, most Americans agree on the basic rules of the road. Unfortunately, I don't know how many... He says most Americans believe in that. Unfortunately, I think that's part of the issue why there's so much political conflict these days. Is I don't think everyone is on the same core beliefs and foundations anymore, unfortunately. Let me know if you think different. Now, looking I am at, an optimist. Good old Twitter always replaying the video really quick. Looking at the comments, looks like we've got two th- of the 128,000 people who viewed the video, about 2,115 liked it. In terms of the top responses, one's from Molly Pitcher saying, quote, well, it's a meme, but I'll, nevertheless, I'll read it. It says, take Ukraine money and send it to Maui. This person got seven likes. Let's see. Someone by the name of Oscar Herrera said, quote, if you can say what you want to say, that is actual freedom. Many countries can't do this. America is quickly losing it, unquote. That person, Free Pother, coming in at 11 likes out of 425 views. Some did respond to him saying this person, their name is literally, it's not rocket science. That person said amen to free speech, got two positive likes from it. And it looked like to be the main top responses. Oh, let's see here. Mr. Rob Parker tuning in saying, quote, 75% government cut is what you'll win on. Let's go, unquote. He got six likes out of 240 views. Let's see. I keep scrolling through. Do, 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 do. It seemed to be overwhelmingly positive. Oh, let's see. No. So it looks like a pretty positive message. Again, something that kind of differentiates Vivek from the rest of the competition. He's doing a lot of these unique interviews with interesting folks and really embracing social media like the other folks are not. Well, the debate really is, how much does that translate into actual votes? That's going to be the telling thing as we go to the primaries. How many people are resonating with this? How many people are tuning in to social media? And there's some people, depending on the demographics and who you're appealing to on a voter perspective, maybe they just don't care about it in terms of social media engagement. So it'll be interesting to see. Well, let me know in the comments, do you think... Have you gotten to the point where you're scared to share your opinion? I know some companies will get fired if you just share your opinion. Even if you just like something on Twitter, people are losing their jobs because they like a meme. Do you think that should be a bigger concern for Americans? And do you think that trend is accelerating and even increasing? I can't help but think it certainly seems to be accelerating and increasing. I hope more people stand up. It'll be interesting to see what time shall tell. Other interesting political news, you have the United Auto Workers, the UAW, hometown commercial only. We will have one without the censorship and, of course, with my charming personality. Now, this is coming from the UAW's YouTube page, which subsequently, most of the comments are draconianly disabled and turned off. Now, unlike the UAW, all my comments are open. The only exception is when Google, a.k.a. YouTube, they actually shut my comments off, which happened on, I believe, three occasions. One, ironically was when I made a video talking about censorship. 
And the other two, and I don't think this is coincidence, they're both critiquing Bud Light. One talking about how Bud Light was removing comments from Twitter, as well as hiding a majority of the results in Twitter. And they were actually blocking people more and more. And then the other one I think was just talking about the Bud Light business blunder of the century of them continuing to lose sales and be utterly inept. And even when I go into the studio where you, know, you edit the videos and you change settings, even when I go in and I change it manually again to allow all comments, which I always do, it would just default within a minute. So a little interesting thing is that I am surely one of those folks I actually don't appreciate censorship. Even if I don't agree with your ideals or your critiques, I appreciate it and it's usually how you, I always tell people the best criticism is always the one that's harsh because that's when you grow the most. And if you like the old videos, there are many comments that are harsh against me. And actually, that's how I've improved, truth be told. Whether it's trying to slow down my speech pace or increase and improve my enunciation, trying to fix that stutter, which I hope you see them. I'm trying to make it a little bit less every day of a thing and trying to improve my skill set to make this production that much better. And as we try to make it better, I'm trying to find a good production software that allows us to do picture in picture where I can show these clips all at the same time. Again, I've tried two or three different software suites. Unfortunately, the camera, I don't know if it's because it's a newer camera, but the camera doesn't seem to work with them. And maybe I just need to get a new camera. Let me know if you have any suggestions in the comments. I'd really appreciate it. Now, nevertheless, going to this little commercial on their homepage. And again, another great opportunity to click that subscribe button. I'd greatly appreciate it. I'm trying to get to 4,000 by the end of September. I know it's a tall order. Literally tell your friends, your family, your enemies, coworkers, even acquaintances on the street and tell them to subscribe. I say that because right now UAW is killing it in terms of they got 21.1 thousand subscribers. Now, I'd love to tell you the feedback from this particular video, but the comments are disabled and the like is disabled. So you can't even see how many people did or did not like this, which again is something that that's a decision they're making. YouTube, they got rid of the thing where you can actually see the dislike button. I suspect to protect politicians years ago, but yeah, with this, you don't know if one person liked it or 100,000 people like, well, I was going to say maybe not 100,000, only 44,000 people saw the video. However, maybe they voted twice like the people UAW like to vote for. But nevertheless, we'll go ahead and we'll go into this little commercial. And it starts with Mr. Sean Fain. Our hometowns are under attack. Belvedere, Lordstown, Romeo. Just a few years ago, they were thriving towns with profitable auto plants. Once incredible job-producing factories. What happened? I said, those jobs have left Ohio. They're all coming back. They're all coming back. Don't move. Don't sell your house. The big three have closed 65 plants over the last 20 years. That's been devastating for our communities. Plant closers shutter local businesses, they wreck lives, and they rip apart families. That economy is cruel, and it's not working. The music is A+, or using the emotional rhetoric. From a marketing perspective, it's pretty good. Although, it looks like they're trying to use a clip to make Trump look bad, which makes sense. If you look at the UAW, where they spend a lot of their money, it's financing Democrats. Although it's interesting, why would, why would, a, profitable, why would a profitable plant shut down? Oh yeah, because they become less profitable, less profitable, less profitable. Because of what? Well, many things. Consumer demand for the vehicle, and also wages. Right now, GM has, I believe, the highest cost of any of automotive companies in the United States. That's before this contract. So it's the highest right now. 
it's going to be a lot more. Because no matter what happens with the UAW strike, as they strike against Ford, Chrysler, well, Stellantis, as well as General Motors, the price is going to go up. Which will, again, make them less competitive on a global automotive market space. Thereby giving more competitive advantages to Tesla. As well as other fast-growing EV companies from China. As well, I believe, from Vietnam, you have a VinFast. Another very fast-growing EV company. But nevertheless, they're about 44 seconds in. So about three minutes left. When Lordstown closed, catalyst for, for divorce for myself included. It's completely turned my life, you know, upside down. It doesn't affect just your livelihood. It affects everything. Knowing that, you know, I'm never going back to the community that, that raised me is, is definitely the hardest thing to think about. The violin. The plant's making money. We're chugging along. I went from working seven days a week to being laid off. This is a huge, huge... Wait a minute, in the other videos they are complaining about working seven days a week. But now he's happy he wanted to work seven days a week. Alright. Corporate greed thing. You know, at, at what point is enough profits enough? GM is still in debt. Long-term debt. Something people keep forgetting about. When we had the groundbreaking ceremony last year... Now, very... Good music, it's very upbeat, very emotional, happy. And they're showing a 1960s automotive plant. And guess what really didn't exist in the 60s? To the most part, competition. I mean, the big three for after World War II, all the way to the 70s, I'd say, there wasn't too much competition from the, from the global companies. And then they started to import them. They, then they started to make, for, quote unquote, foreign cars here. That's a, perhaps another debate for another time. What is an American car? Is it where the company's headquartered? Percentage of parts in the actual vehicle? Where it's assembled? Interesting enough, if you look at cars.com survey or analysis of you know American cars every year, the last data came out, the top 10 spots were Tesla and Honda, as well as Acura, which Honda owns as their luxury brand. Interesting. Here, we expected to go up to around 5,000 employees, and of course, now we're in a position where we want to do that. My dad was hired into GM in 1966, and it had been a great, prosperous community when GM came in. It really helped lift up the community and wages for people living there. When I got hired in 95, I kind of felt like I hit the lottery. Not only was it a great job, I was able to buy a house with a picket fence, raise two beautiful daughters, but was able to kind of live that American dream. We had three shifts there for a period of time, then it went down to two shifts, and then when they get down to the last nut, they say, oh, you know, we lost 1,500 jobs. That's not, that's not really accurate. It was closer to 4,000. And those were just the UAW GM jobs inside the facility. We represented uh, a whole bunch of part suppliers as well. We had six different units. There was Teamsters, Steelworkers, and other IP. Teamsters are another union, which again, working with them cost a lot more than working with anyone else and less efficient. PS non-union facilities that lost their jobs when Lordstown closed. For decades now, we've had an economy where one CEO has the power to ruin local communities. It doesn't have to be this way. In our You're right, you could accept competitive wages and actually help out the company in that regard. Remember, like I know we talk about GM a lot, that's the one I have the most experience with in terms of research and family work and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, the reason these companies are moving are many, but one of the biggest is the cost of labor is huge. 
as well as all the other things that led to the bankruptcies in 2009 of GM and Chrysler. Contributing factors were the pensions, the retirement funds, the cost of labor. They're huge, more expensive than the competition. And they're also not making more reliable more reliable or better vehicles than the competition on average. So it's like a double negative, which actually mathematics would be a positive, but in this case it's just, maybe we'll call it a triple negative to make it still negative. But nevertheless. Contract talks with the big three. We're demanding the tools we need to fix this broken economy. We're demanding the right to strike over plant closures. It's hilarious he's talking about this broken economy. You got what you voted for. Look at the UAW throughout the years. Where do they put their money? They do a lot of political donations. And an overwhelming majority of the time, they're getting people elected who helped cause inflation by printing more money than ever made before. Then causing all these inflation issues. But nevertheless, go back to this. Still about a minute left. We have to defend our communities from the corporate greed that's killing so many. Corporate greed. Their original ask was 80 to 100 billion dollars over the course of four years, which would literally bankrupt the companies. Look at the profits that they made in the past couple of years. That's greater than the profits they made. And also, GM has paid off the long-term debt, and all these companies are going to EVs, which again, ironic, the AW, they caused their own demise. They voted for the politicians who are banning internal combustion engines with de facto bans by increasing the tailpipe emission standards to the point where the only way a company can meet those standards is if they make EVs, which again, EVs will require less rudimentary labor. They're going to need more computer skills. It's basically a computer on wheels. So it's ironic how many of these things they cause themselves. But nevertheless, there's still about 40 seconds left. We'll go back to it. Cities and towns. We're also demanding the creation of the Working Family Protection Program. It's a program that keeps UAW members working. If companies try to shutter our plants, they have to pay UAW members to stay on the job. That means UAW... That is the most union thing I've ever heard. We have to shut down a plant. Now we still have to pay people. That's... Think of Radio Shack, which I keep referencing because if you zoom out, or maybe I'll do a YouTube community where I actually just show you the Radio Shack shot sign I have. You can see a little edge that says Chur. That's the whole thing says Archer antennas. Nevertheless, you have to shut down a factory. Radio Shack, they went bankrupt once. American General purchased them, so they bought them. But a contingency was they could not close stores. And they had too many stores. They were cannibalizing sales, and some stores were losing money. So one of the reasons they went bankrupt the second time, this time for good, is because they could not close those stores. And again, I can't help but think I see some parallels here. I know it's completely different industries but and they're saying they can't shut down a factory w members providing for their families while helping out in schools in nursing homes and local parks the big three will clever emotional rhetoric because that is a good idea because average americans are going to tune into those keywords so again marketing i think it's unless if you are not looking at the whole situation or you don't have background knowledge, this is a very persuasive commercial. I'll give the marketing department kudos. Still make Not an accuracy, but kudos nevertheless. Make a healthy profit, and our communities will stay healthy too. We know our economy... <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. You make a healthy profit, your original ask would bankrupt them. Look at the profit they made. You're asking for more... Your cost would be more than their profit. Which again, so they would go negative. Which wouldn't be the first time. I mean, GM's gone bankrupt, I believe, three times now since the inception, since Billy Durant founded the company by combining Buick and Oldsmobile all those years ago. 
But nevertheless, I know there's a couple seconds. I, this might be painful for your ears. Nevertheless, only a couple seconds left, I promise. Economy can work for the working class. We've seen it. When the UAW, the steelworkers, and the Teamsters won big, so did families across the country. And that's what we're fighting. Oh, not really the families that had to, that, there are still people who purchase your vehicles, apparently. That increased the price of the vehicle by quite a bit. But the, the, those families don't matter. These, the, these are the families. For these negotiations. We're fighting to rebuild our lives, our communities, and our economy. So join the fight. Our hope. That. So, in terms of music and visuals, it was a very good commercial for them. I think it was very persuasive, especially the last part. Very political oriented. So, this might help with the public perception. And interestingly enough, I'd love to give you more feedback on what people thought about this, but again, they don't want they don't want you to have the freedom of speech. They censor their comments. They might have some exceptional points or counterpoints. We'll never know, at least from this. But if you are from the UAW, if you're from their marketing department, I would love to hear from you, especially because again, I think you did a great job with this persuasive commercial. It was very high emotional rhetoric. The music was very appropriately themed for all the parts. Now, again, they want a 36% increase in their wages. They want to work 32 hours a week, but get paid 40. They want to reinstate pensions, retirement benefits, cost of living adjustments. Again, with the, with the current ask, they would bank up the companies. So the real question is, how much are they going to get to end this strike? In terms of a strike mattering, pretty good time to be the big three, because again, people aren't really buying vehicles right now as much as they used to. You have record high inflation, you have record high interest rates, which Ironically enough, they voted to, They voted for the people who caused that, and they, they helped get them elected. But nevertheless, the government had to increase interest rates, so buying a new vehicle now is a little bit more prohibitive. And the price of the vehicles have blown up exponentially. Tesla is now cheaper than the average price of a car sold in the United States. Let that sink in for a minute. Tesla has gotten their price points down that well. And if Tesla, they're working on a $25,000 car. If they can get that vehicle out, in mass production in the United States, that's gonna be a big nail in the coffin for the big three. The coffin already has some nails in it, don't get me wrong, but that's gonna be revolutionary. Because again, EVs on average, very prohibitively expensive for most people. Now, do I think it's prudent to buy a $25,000 car that will subsequently die in a couple of years? Well, no, it's not a good ROI, but you're talking to someone who drives a Honda, I actually want reliability, and my Honda will last presumably forever, darn near. It's got three pedals, as every vehicle should. And again, the torque combustion engine has proven. Last, what, a quarter of a century and a million miles? Look at Toyotas. My family still has a 2001 Honda Accord. Still runs, it's damn near bulletproof for a myriad of reasons. So let me know in the comments, do you think this is a persuasive commercial? I, I do believe, for the ill-informed, I think it was. And it'll be interesting to see, maybe this will help shape more it may make the public a little bit more favorable to them. It'll be interesting to see, but as this strike keeps going on longer and longer, I think it's going to last for quite some time. Because again, the two sides, the big three and the unions, they have there's a big gap between what they both want. And again, UAW has $850 million in their slush funds to pay people. So if they go on strike, they get a paycheck, I believe $500 per week so that they can basically get, they don't have the impact 
hurt on them as much as not getting the full paycheck. Granted, getting paid five hundred dollars a week to hold a sign is not too bad. That's that's not too shabby. I'm not gonna lie. I, man, when I look at how much I've made throughout the years, that's a that's a pretty sweet deal. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but I was gonna say it's gotta be three cents. Should be four cents, but I'm a generous man. Just three cents today, though it is still free. To click that subscribe button and again. I'd love to hear your feedback and what you have to say. Other interesting political news: You have a Trump rally in Michigan and a manufacturer spot as the UAW continues their strike for their 80 to 100 billion dollar ask for the upcoming contract. Now, a couple months ago, I don't know if he Trump does not drink, so we can't say he was inebriated, but he actually tried to court the UAW trying to get to they get the presidential endorsement, which. Again, you look at where UAW has spent a lot of their millions upon millions of dollars in campaign funding, it, yeah, it's overwhelmingly for Democrats. It's just part of their culture, kind of like the teachers' unions. Teachers' unions get Democrats elected, then they get big, juicy contracts, and they get just the money just keeps moving in a circle, get paid more, 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 while the quality of education precipitously decreases throughout the years. That's why you have record low scores for mathematics, science, history, but nevertheless, another topic for another time, Trump. He tried to court the UAW a little while back, thinking he might get their endorsement. Again, wishful thinking. I don't think the best use of his time. Now, it looks like he's at a, I believe this is a non-unionized factory. And let me see here. Go ahead and I'll, without further ado, and if, again, if you do have suggestions for picture-in-picture -picture production software, I greatly appreciate the feedback. I've tried a couple, but still have issues with the camera working simultaneously. And want to make the show better for everyone. That's some of the feedback I get. So any feedback you can get for um, suggestions for a specific software suite, I would greatly appreciate. So without further ado, little Trump's little quick speech here. Back with the workers, uh, UAW members, and proud patriots of the great state of Michigan. Great state, great people. Here in Michigan and across the country tonight, there are countless thousands of auto workers and skilled tradesmen worried about the future and what the future holds for themselves and for their incredible families. I want to begin this evening by saluting these truly great Americans who do not get the credit they deserve. You don't get the credit they deserve. Now they want to go all electric and put you all out of business. You know that, right? Yesterday, Joe Biden came to Michigan to pose for photos at the picket line. But it's his policies that send Michigan auto workers to the unemployment line. He only came after I announced that I would be here. You know, he announced quite a bit later. Spoke for a few seconds. Did you notice he spoke for what? A few seconds? And he had absolutely no idea what he was saying. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know what he was saying. Where am I? He's saying, where am I? Oh, you're in Michigan. Oh, that's great. What do they do in Michigan? They grow wheat in Michigan, he said. They, don't they grow wheat? No, that's, that's Iowa and other places. Biden's cruel and ridiculous electrical. Think of this. He wants electric vehicle mandates that will spell the death of the U.S. auto industry. You know, it doesn't matter. I watch it. You're negotiating a contract. You're all on picket lines and everything. That is the most ironic thing of the UAW and their unwavering, mindless support of a certain political party. That that party is putting them out of business, basically. EVs will take less manpower to create. And they're pushing these automotive companies, bullying them to only make EVs. GM said they're going to be full EV for Cadillac by 2030. 
full EV fleet by 2035. So the most ironic thing, if I were Trump, I would highlight that in nauseam. Every time you're talking to auto workers say, that guy is trying to get rid of your well-paying job, literally. That guy is forcing your company to make a less profitable product that they'll need less of you for. And presumably, maybe they'll wake up to those facts and maybe vote for him. It's a long shot. They've been voting the same way for decades, I believe. If you have evidence differently, let me know in the comments. But nevertheless, back to Mr. Trump. But it doesn't make a damn bit of difference what you get, because in two years, you're all going to be out of business. You're not getting anything. What they're doing to the auto industry in Michigan and throughout the country is absolutely horrible and ridiculous. Hundreds of thousands of American jobs, your jobs, will be gone forever because crooked Joe Biden is selling out. But I don't think it's him. I don't think he actually knows what the hell he's doing. <laughs> so that was probably the most popular highlight that he had. Now, this was from M Live, got 9.7 thousand views specifically on the YouTube. Now, in terms of the top comments, filtering them by the number of likes, you've got someone by the name of Setsam2857 saying, quote, a non-auto worker, well, this is terrible grammar, but nevertheless, I will progress or I will push through. This person says, a non-auto worker, auto worker rally. And he spelled rally wrong. Nevertheless, I got 16 likes. Someone, let's see here. Someone said, Vader FPS, I quote, don't they grow weed in this place? LMFAO, you gotta love him. 15 likes. You have Miss Rad Rend, 6116. She says, he is not speaking to union members and pretending that he is. Who can take him seriously? Well, she got 30 likes. Uh, someone did, the most popular response to her was somebody named John Brim saying, I'm listening to him right now, and I take him very seriously. You, quote-unquote, miss, on the other hand, not so. Which, again, he should have said not so much, but nevertheless, I understood his point. Other popular responses. Some named Magit6431. This person just simply said, my hero, and they got 25 likes. Let's see here. Another one saying user user YNBX9LC2S. Unique name. This person said, the billionaire is fighting for me. He is stating out of staying out of a federal penitentiary, unquote. So many spelling errors. Nevertheless, this person to get 23 likes. Someone by the name of Mr. Dweezy saying there are no UAW members there. That person got 10 likes. Uh, oh, this is a popular one. Mr. Denise Train, 23, said, quote, How do you meet with union workers at a non-union shop? More verbal diarrhea from the chump. This person got 31 likes. So interestingly enough, it seems like, like many Trump's messaging, kind of a hit or miss on how many people love it or hate it in terms of the feedback. Usually, there's a lot of people who hate him and a lot of people who love him. I mean, he's a very polarizing character when you look at the responses from social media. You have one, it surely isn't the real jet, Chuck, but this is the, on YouTube. Chuck Norris, JFN, said, quote, Local 714, Trump all day, every day. Another one said, user L171 said, Orange man going to jail, getting nine likes. 
So interestingly enough, it looks like the local 714, that's in reference to a union era. It looks like they're for Trump. Let me know in the comments if you're part of the UAW, in terms of your group of friends who are colleagues in there, is it is there a lot of support for Trump? Or is it still the traditional overwhelming for the opposition? If you're interested to see, in terms of getting support and endorsement from the AW, I mean, I'm not a gambling man. I usually just gamble on my own business and reinvest in myself for the, in the company and employees. But nevertheless, if I were a gambling man, I'd say Trump's not getting that endorsement anytime soon from the UAW. Other interesting political news, you have Biden at a UAW rally with the president of the UAW. Now, it is very soft, so I'll have to boost up the volume levels. So I apologize about that. Though this should be, I don't know, maybe Biden just isn't, he's soft, but it's one of those things where, this is from CBS News, they got 5 million subscribers, they should have great audio capabilities, one would think. Let's see. So we're going to try to play it right now. They went bankrupt in 2009. Both GM and Chrysler. Chrysler was so bad they were bought out by a European company that they're now part of a conglomerate called Stellantis. Or Stellantis, if you're more Italian. So he's saying they saved the companies. They, they gave up some of the benefits that led to the bankruptcies, but... Not to say I'm cooler than Sean Fain, but he has his phone on a belt clip. A fashion faux pas to say the least, I would say. So that was Biden attempting to speak at a rally. Now in terms of politics, it worked. I mean, these people are very much fans of him, which again, this is the person who's pushing the EV mandates, which will mean less overall jobs for the big three. Well, specifically the UAW, because again, they're going from becoming a car company or from being a car company to being more of a computer company as these modern EVs are basically a computer on wheels. Look at Tesla, look at how much the resource allocation they put into engineering resources. It's huge. It's a whole different thing. And again, this person is pushing for those rules. That will mean for you, if you're a UAW member, less profit, less jobs, but they're still supporting him unquestioningly. Some might say mindlessly, but I'll, I'll be nice here. I'll say unquestioningly. Now, interestingly enough, unlike the UAW, this is not censored. So we actually can see some of the comments and some of the likes. So they got 50,000 views for this particular video and it got 1,100 upvotes. Now, in terms of the commentary, I suspect most people will be in favor just because based on the audience, and I'm guessing it's UAW members tuning in, but let's see. 
You have somebody by the name of Costly, although it's spelled with a K. Nevertheless, Costly says, quote, Sean Fain is a strategic beast, unquote. That person got 54 likes. And in terms of strategy, I do agree he has a prudent business decision. He kneecapped the big three in terms of the parts departments, so customers are no longer getting, they're gonna have issues getting their cars repaired. And some might blame the UAW for the poor build quality. It's also probably a mixture of poor quality parts, which perhaps they have to purchase because they have less money because they inflated the cost of labor. But nevertheless, if you have one of the big three vehicles, you want your parts. So no more parts for you. And also very strategically, again, they're paying people to strike. So they have that big 800, $800 million slush fund that they use. So if you're on strike, you get a paycheck for 500 bucks to stand there with a poster, which again, I wish I got that much. That, that's a good paycheck. Now, in terms of crippling the big three, Sean Fain was strategic in terms of, instead of paying the whole plant to strike, he just paid a couple. And apparently they don't, I don't know if this is the big three being inept, but maybe they, don't, they just don't cross train employees. So just by removing some employees from, I believe the Fort Bronco plant, they actually specifically did the paint and final assembly. So removing those employees basically meant for only paying for those employees that left, they're able to cripple the whole plant. So uh, I don't know if he's much of a beast, but strategic, that is a prudent strategic decision on the political chessboard that is the AW. Now, other responses, let's see here. Mr. Tommy H1OB. He says, quote, I don't understand why anyone, caps, left or right would be against the working class getting their fair share. These are just, these are not just union laborers, they're taxpayers as well. These are your neighbors. Uh, it doesn't take anything from you to support another working class member, unquote. Hilariously, they're the people who are voting to raise taxes. Again, hilarious thing about the UAW, some might call it ironic, but nevertheless, this person got 349 likes. That's one of the most popular ones. In terms of, doesn't affect you, good luck buying an S vehicle. Again, the most expensive, the average price of a new vehicle in the United States, Tesla has a, they beat that. They're actually less expensive now, which no, people have laughed 10 years ago if you said a Tesla would be cheaper than a UAW vehicle. Now they've gotten those price points down, partially because they incentivize their workers with stock and to work hard and they give him a lower wage in comparison. So the UAW, yeah, you get paid a lot, especially compared to competition, but your incentive structure is different. Personally, I think it'd be good to give people stock options because they're incentivized to work harder, more efficiently. I don't know if that is against the methodology. I, I did a little research. I didn't see that on the offering table. Granted, the offers are changing at a, by a minute, by the very minute, so it seems. So if you have experience in negotiations or you have an inside resource, or let me know. I'd be fascinated to report on it. Now, it looks like this person got... Let's see, you got 100 and 349 likes. Let's see here. So there are some responses that are moderately popular to him. So responding to the gentleman that says it costs nothing, and ironically, you know, blaming the government with taxes that's, that you voted for. But nevertheless, one of the top responses to him is some by name of Coach Mixer, 8230, saying, quote, to say it doesn't take anything from you is disingenuous. If the UAW receives the demands they're making, the average cost of a car is going to skyrocket. Cars are already exceptionally pricey. That kind of adjustment is too much for the average consumer to handle. There will also a, there's also a substantial risk that domestic automakers will force will be forced to either move production entirely overseas or be unable to compete in the global market. That will be devastating to the American economy if Ford, GM, or Chrysler go under. Unquote. Mr. got that person particularly got 22 likes. 
looking at the responses, the other top one, let's see here. Someone said, Son Chaney, 3086, said, quote, he only came for optics after his campaign panicked when Trump said he was coming, unquote. This was, that person got 27 likes. Which is true in terms of moves on the political chessboard. It doesn't look good if you're being reactive. And from the data that we have right now, it sounds like it's very much a reactive activity by Biden seeing Trump do something and basically wanting to somewhat copy it. Now, we'll do one more response to this most popular comment on the video. Someone by the name of Cindy Abraham, 5303, said, quote, and they're replying again to Mr. Coach Mixer, don't you think that the main owners and stockholders could reduce some of their income to help out the American people after all the American workers would have and wouldn't have either care? Have you ever thought that might be the reason why the price of cars is so high is because people who run this place are getting much money and not what the workers getting all the money? Interesting. They did, however, this person got 38 likes, so they were one of the most popular responses. Now, zooming out again to the comments directly addressing the video, one, one, no, what is it? One, one, three, nine. So you have Mr. Class Veteran, one, one, three, nine, saying, quote, unquote, working class solidarity, and they got 49 likes. Let's see here. Let's see. A couple of people clamoring for communism, literally. People who can't do math. Let's see. Jesus. So, so, so this person said, this person is Johnson212, said, quote, I'm actually glad that Biden didn't have a lengthy speech. This isn't about him. It's about the UAW. He came, he showed his support, and he left. That's all he should have done. Person got 149 likes. And the top response to his comment was from Mr. Eden's Garden Seed Campaign. Long name there. This person had a laughy emoji and said, quote, it's because he can't give one. He is there for the ice cream anyway. This person got 25 likes. So it looks like, eh, let's say 90, let's see, historic event. Another one saying Sean, another one person applauding Sean Fain for being strategic. Someone saying, someone applauding Biden, uh, saying pro-union. So it seems overwhelming. I'd say 95% of the comments are all overwhelmingly supporting Sean Fain as well as Biden with this strike initiative. It's like, yeah, I guess, uh, let's see here. I thought I read one thing about Toyota. Huh, okay, that's uh, a moderate pun, nevertheless. Mr. Berner Loco said, quote, surprised he didn't say, I support Toyota, I mean UAW, unquote. A moderate pun, but he only got two likes, so not many people appreciated that pun. Let's see. Yeah, so it looks like overwhelming support. Now, let me know in the comments. I'd be fascinated to see, do you support the UAW? If you had to choose sides, do you support the AW or do you support the big three? I'd love to hear what you have to say. And I'm also fascinated to see the differences in terms of the reaction, the audience. I'm noticing on Facebook and LinkedIn, LinkedIn seems to be more people siding with the, if you have to choose sides, with the big three. YouTube, I would say 70, 78% of my comments are usually siding with the UAW. 
And it'd be interesting to see, I wish I had access to the backend logistics and data when it comes to Microsoft, they own LinkedIn, in terms of who's making those comments and who's participating in the polls that I perform. Really interesting to see, do you think this will help Biden's campaign if he does run in 2024? I believe he has said he will, but will that help his campaign? And with Sean Fain, I think it's very strategic. I think this will help. He just got elected to be the UAW president. This will, I think this will continue to help him. And again, it's a, everyone keeps saying it's a historic moment. I believe it's the first time in 80 or 88 years where you've had three strikes with the big three, as in people are striking at Ford, Chrysler, and Gell Motors. Although Chrysler bank, bankrupt so bad, they're now called Stellantis and they're a conglomerate of a conglomerate. So let me know. I'd be fascinated to see what you have to say. It'll be interesting to see how long this strike goes on. They've got a lot of resources, a lot of time. It's not Everyone's not running outside their door to go buy a car today. So it seems like both sides aren't really, there's not a lot of pressure on both sides to really come to a resolution. It'll be interesting to see, but you know me, as I always say, time shall tell. Going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Kia and Hyundai recalling more than 3 million vehicles due to a risk of fire. Ugh. I was going to say, yet another reason to buy a Toyota. Preferably with a stick shift, you know, three pedals as every vehicle should have. It's the most fun you'll ever have. I can't implore you enough to go out and buy one while you still can. Now, going back to Hyundai Kia, again, same company. Very similar to how General Motors owns Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, and GMC. Kia and Hyundai have been together for quite some time. Now, they're advising owners to park their vehicles outside and away from their home until they can get the free repair. Now, specifically, the National Highway and Traffic Administration warned, quote, fires can occur whether the vehicle is parked or turned off or while driving, unquote. The National Highway Traffic Association said that the anti-lock braking system in 13 Hyundai models could leak and cause an electric short and may even devolve into a fire. And for Kia owners, the risk is being connected with hydraulic electronic controls around 10 separate models. So it's about 3 million. And geez louise, the list is quite long. It's almost as bad, eh, debatably as bad as when General Motors had the recall due to the ignition switch, where the ignition switch just wouldn't work. So kind of got stuck there. Now, in terms of the breakdown, you have 1.6 million Hyundais being recalled. And that breakdown is, like, sharpen your pencils if you have a Kia vehicle or a Hyundai vehicle, the list is long. Now you have the 2012 to 2015 produced Kia or Hyundai Accent, 2012 to 2015 Hyundai Azera, 2011 to 2015 Hyundai Elantra, 2013 to 2015 Elantra Coupe, 2014 to 2015 Hyundai Equus, 2011 to 2015 Hyundai Genesis Coupe, 2013 to 2015 Hyundai Santa Fe, 2013 Santa Fe Sport, 2014 to 2015, or typo, or brain fart, not typo, 2011 to 2015 Hyundai Sonata HEV, 2010 to 2013 Hyundai Tuscan, 2015 Hyundai Tuscan Fuel Cell, 2012 to 2015 Hyundai Veloster, or Velociraptor if you want to go long speak, 2010 to 2012, Hyundai Veracruz. Now, in regard to the Kias, that list is just as long. That's at 1.7 million Kias being recalled. And those include the 2014-2016 Kia Cadenza, 2011-2013 Kia Forte Forte Coupe, 2015 to 2017 Kia K9 
100? Which gets an F for marketing, because what on earth is that? They're trying to be like BMW. Don't. Nevertheless, including the 2010-2015 Kia Optima, or rather the Hyundai Optima. No, no, I was right. 2011-2013 Kia Optima Hybrid. 2011-2017 Kia Rio. 2010 Kia Rondo. 2011-2014 Kia Sorento. 2011-2013 Kia Soul. And last but not least, 2010-2013 Kia Sportage. Dear God, that's a lot. Now, of course, I should say, of course, many people might not know. If you want, you can go to the National Highway Traffic Association. So just type in nhtsa.gov slash recalls. And if you just punch in your VIN, you'll actually be shown what the current recall is. Now, unfortunately, there has been some issues with this already reported. It looks like thus far there have been 21 fires associated with recall in Hyundai's and 22 thermal incidents, including visible smoke, burning, and melting. Ooh, that's not so good. Now, in Kia's, there have been four fires and six thermal incidents. Now, the good news is, in terms of the upside, the silver lining is usually there in life if you squint hard enough. The silver lining here is that no known crashes, injuries, or deaths have been linked to these recalls thus far. This is according to the National Highway Traffic Association. Now, it'll be interesting to see how much hurt, this hurts their brands. We're seeing more and more of the recalls. The brands overall throughout the decades have it's improved a lot, especially since the 90s. It used to be a joke. Jay Leno actually used to have a joke about a Kia basically being as reliable as a bobsled. You just push down the hill. They've come a long way, partially thanks to the Germans taking over. Well, specifically employees from German-owned Volkswagen companies coming over and that's why I couldn't help but notice the interiors got a little bit better like a couple decades ago. But it, nevertheless, does this recall change your perception of the brand? Would you no longer buy a Kia or Hyundai because of this recall? Because this is a little bit, a little bit more, thankfully not deadly, but a little bit worse than the average recall where it's something not essential in terms of the drivetrain or in terms of safety. But in this case, it's actually a safety recall, which again, is not so good. So let me know in the comments, does this change your brand perception? And after you're reading this or hearing this, would you not buy one? It'd be fascinating to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in today. I know I'm ambitious, but trying to get to 4,000 subscribers by the end of September. So if you can click that button, I would greatly appreciate it. Also, don't forget to take the time to comment. The feedback is greatly appreciated. Trying to make the show better and better, whether it's finding a software together that'll work for picture in picture, or trying to slow down my pace of speech and working my enunciation. Thanks to you, I know that's an issue that I'm constantly working on and striving to get better. But at the end of the day, don't forget to take the time to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe, fight the good fight.